millions of Christians face intense persecution and risk their lives for the sake of the gospel. Vom Oz Radio supports persecuted Christians, giving a voice to the testimony of those who have been denied a voice. Our programs inform and encourage Christians in Australia and around the world to mobilize and to stand with our persecuted brothers and sisters in Christ. Welcome to Vom Oz Radio, voice for the persecuted. Welcome back. My name is Todd Nettleton. I am so happy that you have chosen to join us this week. We're going to continue a conversation about Afghanistan, about what God is doing in that country. Last week, we heard part one of a conversation with John Weaver. He is the author of several books about Afghanistan, including Najiba, a love story from Afghanistan. That's the story of how he met his wife, how they used their wedding ceremony as a way of sharing the gospel in the Afghan culture. Last week, John gave us an update about what life is like for Afghan people now under the Taliban. As we left off last week, John was sharing ways that Afghan Christians who are now living outside of Afghanistan are sharing their faith, sending hope back into the country through social media, through other means. And I asked John what life is like for Afghans who had to flee the country because of their faith. Well, the short story would be when they left the country, I mean, there is the brokenness, there is the stress, there is the trauma of that. And then many of them were processed, you know, in a military base somewhere. And we went, I may have shared that before, I went to some of those bases. Some of them are still stuck in those locations, not necessarily a military base here in the United States, but just to mention it for prayer. This is a very significant issue for prayer. Some of them, hundreds of Afghans are still stuck in United Arab Emirates. Our government's trying to help. Other governments are trying to help, but it's become kind of a challenging process. So they've now, some of them have been there for over a year yeah. in a little, small, little refugee type of place called Humanitarian Center. So that's a huge prayer object of intercession and prayer for Afghans that are still stuck in that situation that God would, that's just not a sustainable life situation for right. them. But now those that have transitioned on, they went to military bases, they went to various countries, and it was hard. Most all, I was, I'm with them quite often and, or on the phone with them regularly, daily, and it's a challenge. It was a challenge for them. They're grateful for the help. They're grateful for the assistance. But even just last night, I was at the hospital with an Afghan family and seeing them having to navigate this, the system here, that is helpful. Everybody wants to help them, but there's a lot of hoops and systems and a lot of things, even in the medical sense. And uh, the, the lady that was sick said, John, you know, in Kabul and Afghanistan, it would, it would have been a little bit different. But they are being assisted and they're grateful for that. Many of them, as I mentioned, have been welcomed by Christians. So fellow followers of Jesus have welcomed the Afghans, regardless of their ethnicity, because many of them are Pashtuns. Some are Tajiks. So they're all from all ethnicities and therefore from all religious backgrounds. But they've been welcomed by Christians. Some of them have been integrated into the normal life. They're going, their kids are going to school, which has been challenging, but yeah. some of them are doing well. Some are already going to colleges. Some have found jobs. Some are still wondering, how do we make this thing work? Because maybe the parents didn't speak much English. That's not their fault. That's just the circumstances that they were in. So life is very challenging for them. Now, 
In the midst of that, many of them that are believers are finding ways to serve here in, the, in our context in the United States, but this could be true wherever they're at. So they're serving and sharing with fellow Afghans that live in their, you know, their community or their context, regardless of what their ethnicity or religious affiliation is. And many of them, like I said, are doing ministries to not only reach people where they're currently living, but to reach back into. So it's a huge cycle but it has created a lot of, yes, opportunities for people like us to serve. But for many of them, it's been a very challenging journey, and they're probably still struggling. I mean, even last last week, talking to another brother, whole family that we served previously when they were back in their home country in Afghanistan, and they're now here. He does have a job. His wife found a job. His kids are in school. They're doing well in that sense. But he reminds me, John, we are just so broken. We miss our homeland. It's the culture shock. You know, because of what's happening there, our heart is to serve there and to share there. And they're involved in what we would call frontline ministry, even though they don't live back in their home country. But it illustrates the struggle and the the, the challenge. I mean, I could cry right now. I miss Afghanistan that much as well, but I'm not. I mean, and then I think about how, how yes. they do. You know what I'm saying? Well, yes. and I think if you you were forced out of your home and forced to go to another country and plop down there and say, OK, this is where you live now. All of us would go through that yes. grieving process yes. and the culture shock and the OK, where do I buy groceries? Mm-hmm. What, do I, what do I do? How do That's I right. function in this culture? Mm-hmm. So hopefully we are sympathetic and understanding to that. Talk a little bit, give us advice if we want to, as Christians, as a church, we want to help Afghans that are settled in our communities. Mm -hmm. Give us, just help us know how to kind of take first steps to do that. Yeah. We call it like the ministry of welcoming. It's like a welcoming ministry. And so... And, And keep in mind, just before you answer that, keep in mind that Afghan culture is hospitality culture. So if you went to Afghanistan, they would welcome you. Like they would say, come in my house, let's drink a cup of tea. Do you need a place to stay? Hey, you know, I'll kick my Mm -hmm. kids out of their bed and you can sleep in their bed. Mm -hmm. That's their culture. Okay. Now how do we reach out and how do we say, okay, we want to give you a little bit of that culture here. That's good, Todd. So I, I think for me, the helpful thing is to remind myself, God is in this in some way, regardless of how I look at it. God's allowed this to happen. He's brought them to where we're at. The most loving thing then is to welcome them and to show hospitality. That's exactly what they would. It's like love your neighbor as yourself. They would do the same thing to us. Now, it can look different. So the first reminder would be if you live in a city, if listeners are in a city where there is Samaritan's Purse or World Relief or Catholic Charities or Lutheran Services or some type of refugee resettlement agency, the first step could be just to reach out to them. Or if you're involved in a local church ministry that maybe has already done that in some form or another, helped other immigrant communities that are here, you could talk as a church about, hey, let's see, are there Afghans that are in our, you know, our community? Uh, or it could be done in the local university. I mean, there's a lot of ways you can find out. But assuming now you do have them, then it's prayerfully, well, Lord, how can we connect with them? How can we build a relationship with them? Because in this case, they may already be here. There are still some coming. As I mentioned from Qatar, we are praying and some are actually in the process. And we hope at least a few more thousand are going to come in the coming days from, from Qatar. And God knows the future of things. But the point would be, if I now have some interaction with them, it's being a friend. 
It's inviting them into your home. It's just asking questions. Whether you know anything about Afghanistan, I still do this as well. Tell me about your homeland. You know, tell me where you're from. Tell me about your family. And then as followers of Jesus, we're looking for ways we can serve them. So if they mention things like, well, wow, my, my, and this, this was a conversation, my son just failed the driver's license test. You know what I'm saying? And then you might could think, wow, could I pray with you about that? Or could I even help? Would you like me to try to help your son learning, you know, how to drive type of thing. Or they're navigating the health system for ladies mm-hmm. here, like it was a it was a mother at the hospital. Yeah. And a dear American lady there, been serving this family for now over a year, was there trying to help them navigate the process. So it could be, you know, responding uh, in that way. And then slowly, organically, you get to know their family, you build a relationship. And people may ask if they're followers of Jesus, well, where does the church come into this? Well, that may not be the first thing they're thinking of. Can I go to your church? Because that's not their experience. So often we say, don't start with that. Start with getting to know them, praying with them, learning about them, learn their names, learn their story, listen, you know, be a blessing in that way, and then find a way to either get into their home or have them in your home, some mutual connection that way. And then, like I mentioned earlier, you start sharing about the story that's changed your life. Or if they are believers, you just start encouraging them in their own walk with the Lord and then seeing how best that you could, you know, you could practically serve them. Now, if there are listeners that wanted to do more than that, they could contact us. And there's places in the world where you could go. Afghanistan's a little challenging to get to now, <laughs> but there are places where there are populations of Afghan refugees where you could go and serve and be even more intentional and practical in helping them every day. John, one of the conversations you and I had after the Taliban retook Afghanistan was there are Christians who left who would love to go back. They, they want to go back. They want to be back in their homeland. They want to serve the Lord there. They know there's a need for Christian lighthouses in that culture. Where are we in terms of is that possible? Is, does it look like it might be more possible six months from now? What's happening with those who, like I say, would really like to go back to Afghanistan? Part of it's the political immigration process that's still not 100% clear, but we do believe it will happen for some of them. So many of them, as you know, they're here. They have a green car. They have, they have, they have, they have permission to be here. They're legally here. They're not illegally here, right? Uh, but not, not all the paperwork is processed. Right. So even last night, one of the families reminded me, and I didn't know this, one of the family members doesn't have a certified Social Security yet, so number yet, so he can't he actually can't go and get a job yet. But that will happen. Right. For most of them, our understanding is if they left the country, then they would not they be permitted back. back in because they don't have the right. Now, Todd, in God's mercy, could it be that some of them eventually, without even knowing that they could come back, mm-hmm. may go uh, and give their lives as a witness to serve their people, it's very likely. But the ones we interact with now, they're waiting to see how this process will work. And we're hopeful that it will work because I probably have talked in previous interviews, and you've even interviewed some of these Afghan friends who have lived in North America now for more than 10, 15 years. They have traveled back to their homeland and returned back and forth, right? So we hope that it's actually going to happen. We know that's their heart, and we believe that would be God's heart as well to send some of them back. Meanwhile, we're grateful for the ways we can work with them to reach back into the country. What, what about the Taliban side? We know th- the previous government allowed people to get an ID that said, I'm a Christian, not a Muslim, I'm a Christian. The Taliban now has all that 
information, all those files to see who said, I'm a Christian. What about on their side for some of these Christian brothers and sisters to say, I want to move back to Kabul, but the Taliban knows I'm a Christian. (laughs) They have that. Is is that possible? Is that feasible? What, what we don't does that so look time, like? so time will tell. Okay. And again, we know, you know, God is the one who's in control and he's the one who can move sovereignly, you know, as it pleases him. And we're hopeful for that, but we don't really know that exactly. But that's a way listeners could pray. Yeah. You know, praying for believers that are scattered, that God would keep them. That was our lesson even yesterday, that those that endure to the end will be saved and the gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed, you know, throughout the whole world. We could pray that for them that wherever they're at, they would endure in their faith and continue sharing the gospel back into their home country digitally, you know what I'm saying, remotely. Right. And then at the right time, the Lord would send them. He's the Lord of the harvest, and he would, he would send them you know, there. It could be some of them would go to neighboring countries. That's mm-hmm. another. We have partners even supported by VOM that are involved in that, that they don't live actually inside the country. They live in a neighboring country, and it could be when Afghans get the proper documentation, that might be another possible way. They say, oh, wow, well, we can go to XYZ country right. and be a little bit more involved in, you know, directly serving Afghans. What about aid workers? You lived in Afghanistan as an aid worker. Are they being allowed back in? I know we talked mm-hmm. about the fact there's a lot of chaos. There's a lot of economic need. There's there's hungry people. Are yes. aid workers being allowed by the Taliban to come in and serve the people? Or is that still... I mean, thankfully, the Taliban have let some people back. So there are aid workers there from different nationalities, from different countries, doing different type of what we would call practical mm-hmm. you know, assistance to serve the people, which could be education. You know, it could be medical. It could be relief, emergency type of assistance. That's actually happening. And we know a lot of them. We're connected to a lot of them. But there are some that did not go back, and normally we remind people there's one or two reasons. One, they were not allowed to go back, or they just chose not to go back because choosing to go back is choosing to live life in a certain way. Now, we're not saying you're 24-7 locked up in a room, even though there were times where we were in lockdown when (laughs) we lived there over many years, but still we would incognito go and do things. You just have to be aware of your surroundings. And we know, I mean, we walk by the Martyrs Memorial when we come in this building, there are people who were killed in Afghanistan on that wall. That's right. You knew when you were there, Mm -hmm. yes, that is a possibility. The Lord could call me to do that. Yes. Um, And like you say, people who go back now understand this is a dangerous place. And Afghans that are there, they realize that. And Many of them are willing to lay down their lives. And a lot of aid workers, especially people of faith who are followers of Jesus, they realize that as well and are willing to, to embrace that. Is the aid work that's going on, is the Taliban monitoring? Like, you're not telling anyone about Jesus, are you? You're just giving them food, right? Yes. Is that kind of really active... Uh, monitoring of aid work? Yes. Is, so is the Taliban doing that? It is. So just to remind the listeners, before 9-11, the Taliban controlled most of the country. And there were, I was there, there were many aid workers that were there, but that was part of the understanding. You have to know your audience and know your context and be 
Why is this surplus right. and harmless as very, very similar to the Afghan believers that we talked about. The you're same asking questions, you're watching the response, and then you're backing off if it looks like this is not a good time. That's right. But now it seems the Taliban are even monitoring it more because they're the official government mm-hmm. of the whole country. Now, it's a big country, so it's a little hard to do so. But they have limited the people that can come back. And like I said, there's some that they did not allow to come back for the reasons that you've just mentioned. So they are monitoring things. And that's been the most grieving thing among the international aid community, the humanitarian community. Wow, we want to help. And then they won't even let us help. And so but it becomes the, the wisdom piece of it. That meaning if if I'm there to distribute, you know, bags of flour so Afghan families can cook you know, bread, then that's what I have to be doing. But then I can delicately, sensitively, you know, build some relationships, maybe offer prayer, maybe follow up later. But yes, they are trying to monitor things. And, you know, for the aid workers that are there, we want to encourage them, you know, in that and see that that still is life-giving. That's still being the hands and feet of Jesus who said, if someone's hungry, you feed them. If they're naked, you clothe them. That's still the gospel in action. But yet it means back to what we said earlier then organically, slowly, right. slowly, relationally, one by one, conversation by conversation, you find where God's at work, you find those persons of peace, and then you can share about you know, God and the story that's changed your life. And that is happening. It's just more organically like the leaven. It's like Jesus talked yeah. about the leaven slowly you know, spreading throughout the dough. And I think you know, we, as we pray, as you work, we have to think long-term about Afghanistan, right. not— I mean, the leaven doesn't spread instantly. It it has to be kind of kneaded through the dough. Mm -hmm. And this is not a one-year or, you know, five-year commitment. This is a as-long-as-it-takes commitment. It is. But as you say, we we know the promise that every tribe and every tongue and every nation, Mm -hmm. we are going to be successful. Mm -hmm. The gospel is going to spread in Afghanistan. Um, But we want to encourage people to pray. Our listeners are prayer people. I know that. I hear from them. I love hearing from them how they are praying. How do we pray this week for Afghanistan and for God's people and God's work in that country? Well, let's pray for the Taliban, because whether we agree with them or not, they're an authority. Let's pray for them to lead with, you know, peace and what, you know, what's good for the people. And that even in that, they may even become open, you know what I'm saying, to God and to his kingdom. And so let's pray for them because they are the governing power. Like First Timothy says, First Timothy, you know, pray for those in authority. So let's pray for the Taliban, for them leading the country as best they can, but also for their salvation. And uh, the people that have been resistant, the gospel would penetrate into them. And there are first fruits, as I said, among the, the Pashtun people. Let's pray for our brothers and sisters, specifically focusing on Afghanistan, that they would know that God is with them and that God's going to provide for them and that he's the good shepherd and he's going to take care of them. And um, let's pray for miracles, I mean, provisions and favor, and that God just would, would, would bless them and keep them and help them. And let's pray for all these social media ministries that are happening because we know God's hearts for every tribe and tongue, every language. We want to see, you know, a witness, you know, in that, in that country. And then if you think about the diaspora where Afghans are scattered, there might be a place where you're aware of that or where you even live, some of the listeners. Then let's pray for Afghans that are scattered in those places, kind of similar. If they're not believers, mm-hmm. they would interact with believers. Their hearts would be open. They would become followers of Jesus and find life and peace in him. And or if they are believers, they would remain in their, you know, in their faith and not get sucked into the culture that might be around them where they now currently live. 
and that they would also find ways that they could serve and reach back into their country. How starved are Christians in Afghanistan for fellowship? I mean, I just think of someone in a village who came to faith. Maybe they had a they met the man in white in their dream, or they had an online conversation that led them to faith. Yeah. How do they find another believer to pray yeah. with them and encourage them and how, take communion with yeah. them? And how how hungry are they for that? So just this morning, we'll just call him Hassan. That's an Afghan name. We'll just call him Hassan. And so uh, he received discreetly some support from VOM, primarily for transportation for him and a few other like-minded brothers for that very purpose. And he was responding just how encouraging it was. I mean, so bring me to tell me to just because of that, that these are brothers and sisters that he knows in various places or other brothers and sisters know them. And just by getting a little bit of assistance, because their lives have changed and they, right. don't, they don't have a lot and uh, getting around is a little bit more challenging. You got to be a little bit more careful and discreet about how you do it because you could be stopped. Why are you going there? What are you doing? So just having enough assistance to be able to navigate the transportation system and to do things sometimes in a taxi, sometimes in a car, sometimes you know in a on a motorcycle where you wanted to go. He was saying exactly what you said. John, thank you so much. This was so encouraging to encourage them. They were so blessed, they're so thankful, they're starving for fellowship, mm-hmm. they're longing to have you know that and um yeah, that that's the hardest thing for them. And um and right now, as you know, that's only small groups. That's only house to house. Right. And sometimes, Todd, it's them listening to something. Now, they wouldn't listen to this because this is in English, but sometimes it's three or four or a household sitting together, and they're listening to something from the social media, and they're trying in the spirit of Christ and the love of God as, as united as believers. That's their fellowship, mm-hmm. even though it, the person that's sharing with them <laughs> might even be a recording you know, right. from far away, but yet it gives them some connection to God and the larger body of Christ. But that's the hardest thing to grasp is believers that have no you know, f- active fellowship like we can have anytime we want to, along with the flip side, there are still people that have never even heard about Jesus. I mean, that's still some living dynamics in Afghanistan. What about women— I know we've talked before about, you know, once you put a burqa on, the Taliban doesn't necessarily know who you are or what you're doing. Uh, And once you go in with a bunch of women, the men don't want to be there, so they're not going to be monitoring what you're saying. How is the gospel spreading among Afghan women? So that's still happening. Uh, Some of the ladies that we've talked about over the years, some of them, their families have moved on. But they're telling us the same thing. They're saying, John, it's the same type of dynamic. So here are other you know, Afghan ladies who are following Jesus or who want to meet a follower of Jesus because mm-hmm. they're searching and they're, they're hungry. Then it's the same dynamic. Like you said, now I've got my burqa on. I'm walking. Well, no one knows where I'm going. Maybe I stop by the market and I get some bananas or an orange or whatever it might be. And it looks like I'm just going throughout my day. And now I've gone to a house. And as far as we know, in that case, they're not being followed. You know what I'm saying? They're not right. being targeted in that sense because it just looks like normal everyday life. But now they get into a small room like we're in. We're in chairs. They're sitting on the floor. Someone might serve tea, and then here we go. It's the gospel. It's the story that's changed our lives. It's how's it going this week. And you might – I mean, I, I've only heard from a distance. I've been in a couple of them years ago, but I've only heard from a distance – a lot of tears, a lot of brokenness, I mean, a lot of challenges that these women are facing, but yet there's 
There's life there. Mm-hmm. God's presence is there. God's spirit is there. God's love is there. And they're being encouraged and, and prayed for in that, in that context. And yes, no one knows except them and the God who sees them. And I would encourage our listeners to pray. I, I think of young girls who five years ago, they were going to school. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're teenagers now. They would love to go to school, but they can't. Mm-hmm. What if they could get together and study God's Word? What if they Amen. could get together and encourage each other for that? So, John, as we finish up, uh, I want to encourage people, come to vomradio.net. You can hear this interview. We actually will give you links. You can go back and listen to John's other interviews. We did a great interview about his wedding in Afghanistan. If you haven't heard that story, you need to go listen to that. Uh, But as we finish up, John, I just want to ask you to pray for Afghanistan and kind of lead our listeners Around the country, Mm. around the world, Mm. we have listeners in China, Mm. we have downloads in Iran, Mm. we have downloads all around the world. So lead our listeners to pray for Afghanistan Mm. and for our brothers and sisters there. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are so full of mercy and uh, our hearts are broken. We believe your heart's broken over Afghanistan, and and really the cry of our heart is, Lord, would you have mercy? Father, have mercy. We want to pray first for the Taliban. Would you have mercy on them? Lord, would you help them as they are now the governing uh, force there in Afghanistan? God, would you break in among them and cause them to want to do what's good and best and fair for not just the Pashtuns, but the whole country of Afghanistan? We pray also for their salvation. We pray for light to shine among them. We know some of them are secret followers of you. Would you sustain them? Lord, is there like sheep among wolves? But we pray, God, would the gospel spread among the Pashtun people that have been so resistant. We pray for breakthroughs. We pray for dreams. We pray for visions. We pray for miracles. We pray for revelation. We want to pray for your light to shine among this, one of the largest unreached people groups in both Afghanistan and Pakistan. Lord, we pray for your glory. Would you receive the reward of your sufferings among the Pashtun people, those that you've shed your blood to redeem? Lord, from them. Father, we do want to pray for our brothers and sisters. Our hearts are broken, Lord, for the situation that they're in, but yet we know you're with them. You love them. You care for them. You see them. Lord, would you encourage them in their faith? Would you give them grace to endure? Would you give them opportunities to serve and to share and to be light? As Todd's mentioned, would you give them fellowship? Lord, we pray for Hassan and many brothers like him and Miriam and many sisters like her, that they could have opportunities to get together, to fellowship, to encourage one another, to pray with and front one another, to read the Word of God and be encouraged uh, by you. And Lord, we pray for the diaspora. Lord, we, our hearts are broken as well that thousands of Afghans have had to leave and they're scattered all over. But we pray, Lord, would you raise up the body of Christ to welcome them, to receive them, to love on them. Lord, we pray for them that don't know you yet, that they would come to know you. And we pray with our Afghan brothers and sisters that are now in diaspora locations. Lord, would you encourage them as well? Would you make them salt and light to Afghans around them? And would you continue to give them opportunities? Lord, give them faith and vision and practical ways they could reach back into their their homeland. And Lord, we just want to pray all the thousands, it could be millions of seeds that are being planted among Afghans, either in the country or in surrounding countries or in the diaspora. Lord, would you give forth the increase as some plant and some water, would you give forth the increase that there might be a great harvest among the Afghan people for your glory and for your honor. Lord, bless the listeners as well. You know what they're going through. Would you bless them and keep them where they're at? Cause your face to shine upon them. And in agreement, we pray, would you be glorified in Afghanistan? Let your kingdom come there. 
and let your will be done there among the Afghan people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. John Weaver, thank you so much for being our guest. Thank you for your passion for the Afghan people. And you are going to have people around the world who are praying with you this week for our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan. Amen. Thank you, Todd. Christians in hostile nations may live far from us. As believers, we know that we are one with them and part of the body of Christ. As such, we can't ignore their suffering. If the Holy Spirit is impressing you to know more and support the work of Voice of the Martyrs, please visit our website at vom.com.au. All donations of $2 and more are tax deductible in Australia. This has been a production of Vom Oz Radio, Voice for the Persecuted.